There's some really good science that uh, 20 minutes of prayer for eight weeks so affects your brain, the synapses of your brain, that you can measure it on a brain scan. Prayer is physiologically changing us. And, and at the areas of your brain that have more compassion and openness and grace and, and, and forgiveness, those areas get stronger and joy. And then the areas of your brain that are like the bitter and the resentful and all of those areas actually get smaller. So it's literally like the fruit of the spirit happening in you if you can take at least 20 minutes a day for eight weeks. Well, what's up, guys? We hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. I'm Josiah Keneally. We're your hosts. This is the Young Adults Today podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Venture. Venture is a church planting and community development nonprofit that really works with the toughest places of the world serving war refugees, trafficked people, oppressed children, and the unreached. And through Venture Miles, you can make your miles matter by going on adventure hikes. You can go biking, running, raising funds, and also bringing forth awareness in the process. Look, Venture is something that we are both incredibly passionate about. We give to and support. And man, we're both Venture alumni of different programs and runs. And we'd encourage you to check out more at www.youngadults.today slash partners. Imagine if you could go and talk to some of the greatest leaders all around the world and ask them one simple question. What is your daily prayer life like? Well, myself and Cam Doolittle and Peter Greer were able to do this with amazing leaders like Francis Chan and John Mark Comer, John Ortberg, Johnny Erickson Tata. And then we expanded our search to global church leaders in six different continents whose ministry and leadership covers over a hundred different countries. And what we discovered was absolutely incredible. People around the world were being led by the Holy Spirit to have similar prayer lives, from a New York financier to someone working in a refugee camp in a war zone. Their prayer lives started looking similar and their patterns were emerging. And we took all those patterns and put them together in a book called Lead with Prayer, a study in the prayer lives of extraordinary leaders around the world. There's a study that said that a supermajority of leaders are not satisfied with their prayer lives and the prayer culture where they lead. And this book, We're Praying, can launch a movement of prayer amongst leaders. And this is a chance for all of us to sit at the feet of praying leaders around the world and learn how to pray as leaders. Imagine what would happen if God's leaders around the world started truly becoming people of prayer. It could change everything. Today is a brand new episode mm -hmm. launching 2024, and we're thrilled to have Ryan Skoog joining us. Hey, man, how are you? I'm swell. I'm really doing well. Thanks. Well, we are thrilled to lean into this fun conversation today because he has some fun news to share, but also can hopefully encourage you as a listener. If you're an entrepreneur, if you want to grow closer to the heart of Christ, there's going to be some fun conversation being had today. But Josiah, for the audience who may not know who Ryan Skook is and what he's been up to, can you share with the audience just a little bit about him? For sure. Ryan Skoog is the president and co-founder of Venture, a church planting community and community de development nonprofit that works in the toughest places of the world, mm -hmm. serving war refugees, trafficked people, oppressed children, and the unreached. He's also the co-founder of several technology companies, and he's a friend of ours. And I would just say any conversation I've ever had in my life with Ryan 
you're going places and we're going to have some fun. Also, especially we're going to talk about how leaders can lead with prayer and Mm -hmm. in this brand new year, have a completely transformed prayer life. But to just kickstart us, Ryan, we gave your bio and introduction, but can you just unpack a little bit of your life journey and story with us today? Yeah, thanks so much. I have always been attracted to the the dangerous areas where God is just his kingdom is breaking out. And 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 so I got started very young uh, smuggling Bibles into China back before small smartphones and you needed to do that and you know apprehended by the police and arrested and all, but I I was like this is the frontier of where the where seeing the church of, of God like move forward in such a pure and beautiful and miraculous ways and uh and so venture it means to go to a difficult or dangerous place. And so the places we are in war zones and villages where 90% of the girls would be trafficked and in child soldiering and just, you know, we've had four of our partners killed in the last 18 months for their faith, giving it all to the gospel. And and whenever you go in the tough places, you see miracles and heroes. And and I've just been so uh, in awe of what God has done and what I've been able to see and the heroes I've been able to meet. Um, around the world and hit, hit uh, almost 60 countries. And and I got to tell you, man, that, that people kind of get looked down about how things are, you know, around America sometimes when it comes to Christianity, but you get outside of these borders and Christianity is exploding. God's moving in greater ways numerically than he ever has in the history of the world. It's just awesome. We get to live through that. So it's really fun. And um, And so, yeah, a friend of mine came and said, right out of college, the kind of a dorm dream. And he's saying, Hey, dude, let's bike across the country and raise money for missions. I'm like, I'm in. I, I didn't know you're a cyclist. He's like, I'm not. I'm like, do you have a bike? He's like, no. Do you know how to raise money? He's like, no. And then do you have any money? No. I was like, when do you want to go? He's like two months. And somehow I was, the, I was the boring guy to stay back to organize. And he and his buddies did it, raised about $16,000. And I mean, that could have been a million bucks to us. We were just so excited. And started doing more and more of these, and um, and then and then really was attracted to the tough places. So if we're getting people to do tough things. We need to go to tough places, and meeting you know through a whole series of you know God miracle miraculous things, met a ton of partners on the ground in the tough places, giving their lives to serve the poor and giving their lives to bring the gospel. And I was like, yeah, let's let's start doing tough things for people in tough places, and it. It, a New York Times bestselling author went on one of our tours. He wrote about it in his next book, and things started taking off across the country. We're just along for the ride, and and so that sixteen thousand dollars turned into uh, it's been about sixty million dollars now that has been been raised uh, going directly through uh, into the to the national church, the local the local church, and around the, around the world in these tough places and these heroes that we get to serve. And and also started an MBA in entrepreneurship, started a couple of travel technology companies. And what we do is the, the funds from the travel technology companies cover all the admin adventure. So when people give 100% of it goes through and right to help programs and projects and people. And it's been beautiful seeing, you know, again, like on the edges, seeing some of the most miraculous growth and, and, mir- and, and miracles and, and heroes uh, right on those edges. I love it. It fires me up. Well, Ryan, we are so grateful and thankful for you and your team. Anybody who's ever participated in anything with Venture to 
park their their lives on enemy lines essentially or put their bodies in through excruciating challenges of running 100 miles from border to border or biking across the US all, only because one crazy friend had a crazy dream to get on a bike to raise money to see something change and there are so many amazing things that our audience is listening and many of them have a hunger to change the world a hunger to change their community a hunger to live and leave life with a purpose on purpose and on mission each and every single day so for the person who maybe has already has has the dorm dream but maybe it hasn't been fully birthed yet into that business or that entrepreneurial ceiling more or less how can businesses think in terms of missions and solving the world's problems um, to the greatest effect and the greatest capacity that we're seeing these days how about young adults uh, how can young adults do that yeah i so one of the things i always tell young adults is if you have a dream um build a board before you need it in the sense of get a team of advisors and there are all kinds of people out there that would love to give advice to a young adult about how to do something. And so I had I had this network of, uh, of a board of advisors, just personal advisors on how, you know, this venture club. And we pulled them all together and just said, hey, would you invest in making this thing actually happen? And one guy was like, oh, it's gonna cost what, this much per person, there's this much in the room. All right, here's my check, who's in? And then, you know, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, and around the table. And, and it was just this miraculous moment and and it was because that wasn't you know it's because obviously because God and then the other part was it was able to happen because we're I was already asking advice of these people in and in, in life and so building a mentor team around you before you actually need it uh, you know from a, a board perspective or build a board around you before mm -hmm. you it's one of the most brilliant ways um, and then the other thing I tell people is find find somebody doing what you want to do and get close to them. You know that that apprenticeship idea. Sometimes we get so excited about education, we miss apprenticeship. And and so as a young adult, I'd say find somebody doing something that you love, get around them in some way, and find a way to be a blessing to them. And um and that that's just practical advice on on how these dreams actually start becoming more of a reality versus just a dorm dream. And then the the last thing is is when when you blend courage and compassion together all of heaven conspires to mm. make and if you look at all of the miracles of the bible it was a combination of a courage of somebody like david stepping out with goliath or moses stepping out into the whether it's the red sea or pharaoh or go through the list of even those the the mighty men of god the shema and all these other guys out there they all took a step of courage motivated by compassion moses wasn't just trying to part red seas he was trying to free slaves you know david wasn't just trying to kill goliath he was trying to prevent women and children from being raped by the philistines like it was this compassion motivation mixed with courage and it seems like all of heaven conspires to see incredible things happen when you take those steps Ryan, it's amazing. I remember being a young adult myself, getting tapped to lead a young adult ministry, and we plugged right in with Venture, and it's just been a part of our, our lives ever since. I think the first trip I ever did was called Run for the Border and kind of running 100 miles, four back-to-back -back marathons or something like that. And then one of our mutual friends, Brent Silkey, he turned 30 and made a big deal about it and invited 30 people to run 30 miles. And raise money to to do exactly what you're saying mm -hmm. and uh i've just never seen 
anything quite like it as far as something that young adults can do and rally around and participate in because so many people, they do want to start something or they hear about the gospel or they hear about the great Mm -hmm. need and they just want to like ready, fire, aim. And I'm one of those people. Let's go. Let's do something. And so I just get really excited. And along the process, we're a year and some change, maybe close to a year and a half into Young Adults Today being a nonprofit and a ministry. And we had dinner with you and Rachel, your wife, not too long ago, and you prayed for us. And one of the things you prayed is first, you told me to pray my guts out. Second Mm. thing you said is um, instead of just like paddling to to lift up our sail, and and I just got this picture of mm-hmm. instead of like canoeing in the boundary waters, like lift up a sail and let the spirit of God move yeah. and breathe. Mm-hmm. And it was just so powerful when you said that. I've sensed God's spirit with us and leading yeah. us. But yeah. I want to ask you this: What role has prayer played in your startups? whether it's venture, whether it's a technology company Mm -hmm. or a travel company, can you talk about your own prayer life and what role that has, you know, played in your business, in your nonprofit, in your ministry? Yeah. So everything has come out of prayer, everything. And, and, and Jesus even said, without me, you can do nothing. If you abide in me, you'll bear fruit. Fruit comes out of the friendship with Jesus. And, and even so from the early days of smuggling Bibles, that came out of a prayer time, uh, you know, venture came out of a prayer time. And I actually, when, when my buddy said, Hey, let's do this. I was like, that sounds crazy. And then I go and pray and the Lord's like, Oh yeah, you're doing this. And, and it, you know, all, everything has come out of the relationship with Christ, every, the abiding, the connection with the spirit. And, and so, so much so that um, if you want yeah, there's really that's what's happened too is we've written a book about it and uh called lead with prayer and, and we can talk a little bit about the origins of that as well but it's prayer has been the foundation of everything it's just awesome to see that that there's so many things that jesus just kind of whispers and you're like that's impossible and yet take a step and then it starts happening and and you know jesus he goes to somebody who's been crippled for 35 years Hey, pick up your mat. He's like, if I could do that, I wouldn't be. <laughs> no, Jesus is like, yeah, but I'm asking you. <laughs> so that's that's like then the journey of all of life for me is a little whisper of heaven um, as I spend extended time with Christ. And then that's we good. start. And then, oh, wow. I thought it was water underneath me, but there's something solid there. And I'm going to take another step. And it, like that is the the journey. That is so good. Well, we say yes to Christ, the adventure and naturally begins. And it's what we do and how we allow God to birth things in prayer that can become a reality as time goes on. And one of those things is that you already alluded to is the book that you've written, I think with a couple other people, and you can kind of share some of the history behind that. But with, with your book, Lead with Prayer, what is one of the greatest discoveries that you've uncovered while writing this book? Yeah. So let me take you back real quick to how it, the origin of it. And it really, I, I'm going to take a step back beyond uh, one step back from prayer for just a second. Um, we asked this question, what if the American church were to sit at the feet of the global church and say, can you teach us how to follow Jesus? And I, I know you're, you're, you're uh, in a young adult circles. There's a lot of people talking about deconstructing, 
but there's not a lot of people talking about, okay, so now how do we reconstruct on the, on the foundation of Christ? And I want to submit that the best way to reconstruct is to sit at the feet of the global church and say, can you teach us how to follow Jesus? Because the global church is exploding in, like I said, historic ways. And so we started sitting down at the feet of the global church, and I thought it would be a leadership principle, but it wasn't a leadership principle that was behind the explosion. It was a prayer life. And then I sit down with other ones. It wasn't a leadership principle. It was a prayer life. And it, you know, another one. And so really this book is birthed out of sitting at the feet of the global church and saying, can you teach us how to follow Jesus? And the, the first response is, let, let us teach you how to pray first. Let's teach you how to pray for real. And, and so um, I, I was reading in Second Samuel, uh, where, where no First Samuel, where he installs the king, and he says this little line. He says, "God forbid that I sin by failing to pray for you." And that, combined with the the global church, I was like, "Wait a minute here! Does God hold leaders to a different standard of prayer?" And then I look up to my bookshelf, and I have all these books about how leaders lead, and not a single book about how leaders pray, not one. And so I reached out to a friend of mine, uh, Peter Gurr, who runs Hope, and another friend of mine who has a part of a huge foundation, a global foundation. And I said, between the three of us, we've got quite a network that can sit down with the global church and leaders around the world and ask them, what is your daily prayer life like? And so we got to do an interview. We interviewed over 100 hours of interviews with leaders from six different continents whose leadership spanned 100 different countries. And we got to uh, sit down with Francis Chan and John Mark Comer and John Ortberg, Tim Mackey, Gary Haugen, jo Johnny Erickson Tata, Mark Batterson, and really sit down and say, what's what's your prayer life? What is your daily prayer life like? And it has been phenomenal. And you said, what's the biggest thing we realized as we started doing this? And what we realized is that there are patterns of any leader that wants to be intentional in prayer. It seems that the Lord leads them to a similar pattern. And we noticed that the prayer life of someone serving in, in, in a uh, refugee camp uh, in the middle of in, in, in a difficult war-torn area and the prayer life of a New York financier who was really intentional about prayer, their life, prayer lives look similar. And so each of these patterns that emerged became a chapter in the book because it seems like the Holy Spirit, anytime as a leader you get intentional about prayer, it leads you to similar patterns and similar prayer lives. It's really powerful crossing cultures and demographics and socioeconomic and situational. If you get intentional about prayer as a leader, it's going to look similar across the world. It's beautiful. You know, something that you said, and, and I caught it, man, a couple of years ago is you had said like every business person needs to pray like a pastor and mm. every pray, every pastor needs to think like a businessman. And I just think that it's so profound that you're zeroing in on the global church and, and the posture of humility to exalt God as wealthy, mm -hmm. to recognize that we are here impoverished, in need of a savior, in need of a deeper connection with him. And I'm thinking of myself desiring more of God and a transformed mm -hmm. prayer life. And what I'd love to hear is maybe one or two of the most powerful practices that you've learned that have impacted your prayer life. Yeah, I, I this is so exciting. So I'll tell you the first interview we had was with Roosevelt. And she is this amazing Mother Teresa-like woman that has been serving for four decades on, in a war zone. She took in her first child when she was 16. She took in her first child. And 
now she and then she by the time she was married they, she was already caring for like five or seven kids and then they kept caring for more and building homes we started partnering with her and now mama Roosevelt cares for five thousand refugee children every single day and and she there's landmines there's mortars going around and she's just glowing with jesus every day it's unbelievable and you talk to her she's like i'm just so happy jesus makes me so happy and i, I said mama Roosevelt, what's your prayer life like she goes oh She's like, well, first of all, it's all Jesus. He just, I just love him. You know, she just glows. And she said, when I was 18, I had no money, but I wanted to tithe. And I figured the only currency I have is my time. And so I decided to start praying two and a half hours a day to tithe my time. And I've been doing that for the past 35 years. You're like, what? And so that was the kickoff of the whole endeavor of learning how to pray from the global church. And I thought, I've got a lot to learn. We've got a lot to learn. And she started talking about her prayer time. And here's here's one of the greatest principles is it starts friendship first. And this was in Francis Chan. This was in some of the New York financiers that are just incredible, generous people. And this is in Mama Roosevelt in the in the war zone, was that there is a friendship first. And 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 one of the one of the leaders we interviewed used this term wasting time with God. So he's super busy. He oversees, he managed like a couple billion dollars. So busy guy. And he would, he would take time, carve time out just to be with God with no agenda. Because he said, that's what friends do. They hang out without an agenda. The agenda is to be together. And he said, so waste time with God, where you're just there with him, just being with him. And Francis Chan talks about it, how busy he is. And he says, no, nope, I go out. And I take a walk and I'm just be with my friend Jesus. And I waste time, you waste time with God. Roosevelt, the same way. Her prayer time starts with a walk. And she says, I'll just walk by a spider web and look at how intricate and woven it is. And I'll say, Jesus, can you weave my life so detailed and weave mm -hmm. me that same way? And she says, I just take time to enjoy Jesus, which the the the, the mental picture of somebody taking a walk through a war zone. Smiling and just being a friend with Jesus while all this crazy is going around. And it's just this beautiful picture of like, she can, she's still full of joy. She calls it because, because she can keep her eyes on Jesus and enjoy that friendship. And so friendship first was the unexpected first principle that we learned in the book was that a gr an incredible prayer life for a leader flows out of friendship. And that's what Jesus said. He said, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. And he says, so if you abide in me, that's where the fruitfulness comes from. It comes out of our friendship. And it's just so beautiful. And so that that was the first one is that they, they intentionally carve time to waste time, if you will, quote unquote, with the friend Jesus. And uh, and and that was ubiquitous across countries. You know, one, one leader said, I wake up and I pray until my soul is happy in God. And then I won't have to look for anyone else or anything else to make me happy. It's just a, a beautiful thought. So that was the first one. Um, I could I could go off. So please, you know, let me know. But that, that was like the first principle. The second one was that they were intentional. There was planning involved and there, you know, pray all kinds of prayers. And there was training involved in, in regards to a, a prayer life. It was scheduled. There was ancient prayers prayed. There was praying through scripture. There was praying um uh you know, like writing down certain psalms memorizing certain psalms uh habits and prompts throughout the day 
So, so there is a real intentionality of leaders, just how you schedule other things, you schedule this and you make it happen. And, um, and uh, Roosevelt has this line. She says, you never find time, you make it, you make it. And she sticks her finger in your face. So, so you, you <laughs> happen. And, and that's the deal is none of these leaders who are praying leaders um, were haphazard or random. It was, it was a scheduled thing that happened. They even schedule time for friendship, you know, schedule time. Just so I, I started doing that as well. So uh, I'll just take a walk every morning and I, I walk in a certain place in nature and I just start worshiping. Just, just my heart is just connecting. And what, one of the things I've done is on Sundays, I don't ask God for anything. So my whole prayer time is just being with him, enjoying him, but I schedule it. And, 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 and it's really hard at first because you always want to start asking and instead, it's like, I'm just going to praise you. I'm going to thank you for these. I'm going to walk through stuff in life and just appreciate you, God. And, you know, that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. learning. And um, there's some really cool science behind this. Sorry, you talked about in, uh, insights. And this is going to be kind of a nonlinear uh, explanation. But, but there's some really good science that uh, 20 minutes of prayer for eight weeks so affects your brain, the synapses of your brain, that you can measure it on a brain scan. Prayer is physiologically changing us. And, and at the areas of your brain that have more compassion and openness and grace and, and, and forgiveness, those areas get stronger and joy. And in the areas of your brain that are like the bitter and the resentful and all of those areas actually get smaller. So it's literally like the fruit of the spirit happening in you if you can take at least 20 minutes a day for eight weeks. And now the praying leaders we interviewed they're all like at least an hour a day, you know, at least an hour. And, and then and the prayer meetings and all these things. So that's just the global church. They just start there and go, you know, some of them are hours and hours a day. And but but the, the brain scan will say even 20 minutes a day at eight weeks and your brain starts changing. That's awesome. It's, it's beautiful. And you know what, Ryan, I believe it because um, whether one of our friends is a therapist, like they might use different terminology or language, but anyone who's in counseling that I've ever met, Christ follower or not, they might call it mindfulness, but they, it's undeniable that time spent mm -hmm. with Jesus in prayer for those of us who are pursuing a relationship with him, mm -hmm. like it's, it's undeniable that there's going to be some benefits to that. And I think that similar in the medical community, you won't find anybody who's you know, going to say, deny that brain scan. I think that that's just so, so powerful. Well, I think it just goes back to the science term of rewiring our brain is like the neuroplasticity that proves and shows that our minds are influenced they're transformed. Like they can be moldable and pliable, not only just in our thought life, but literally in the wiring of our brain to think positive, to forgive, like you're saying. And I would even ask this for the person who is wanting to start off 2024 strong, and maybe prayer has not been one of the main things and they're leading and they're pastoring and they're really wrestling, not with their faith necessarily, but wrestling even with the, the simplicity and complexity of leadership, because prayer has not been one of the pillars that has been sustaining them that when we're live changing in 2024, whether it's somebody revisiting their, their business calendar, their travels, their fill in the blank. How can we as Christ followers and business entrepreneurs or pastors, how can we, we begin to set the tone in our spiritual walk with Christ to experience a completely transformed prayer life coming up in 2024? Like, what do you have to say about that? 
So we we were able to interview a couple a couple of Christian billionaires. So some of the more busy people on the planet who carved out time and made time to pray more than most pastors. And I I would say, okay, so none of us are off the hook. None of us can say we're too busy. I've already talked to the people who are too busy and they're still praying. So it, it's it's one of these of like, okay, we're not too busy. We have to just make it. Like Roosevelt said, we have to make it. And so I would, uh, we have uh, on the book, we've actually compiled a whole host of prayer tools to help you spend more time in prayer. And we actually have some prayer cards as well that are like a deck of cards of different prayers that you can pray. And it's a way to like, you know, if you go to the gym and um, you know all these all these workout equipment, and you just kind of like randomly do this or that or whatever, you're not going to get a good workout. It's not going to be very long, and then you don't know what to do and you leave. But if you came in with a little bit of a plan, like I'm going to do this many sets, this many did it, and then this many sets, this many, it could be just on a note card. If you come in with that plan, you're going to have a much better workout. And the same idea with prayer cards or prayer tools. There's so much out there. We've compiled so many of them at, the, at our, our leadwithprayer.com is our site where we're giving this all away. And the whole thing is 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 just a a, a move a goal to start a movement of prayer. So I wrote a book, but all the all the proceeds are not going to me. They're going to start 24/7 prayer rooms overseas in in some of the different countries that we serve in. So this is not a uh, it's just trying to move forward and move the needle on leaders praying in any way, shape, or form. And so we create tools. We have the book. We have uh, the, you know, the 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 book itself is going to fund these 24/7 prayer rooms. Like that's all we're trying to do is get God's people back to God. Yeah. Like our leader said, we have the entire resources of heaven available to us and we don't tap into it. How foolish are we as leaders? And so I think to answer, go back to answering your question, we have to really believe it matters. We have to really believe that it really matters whether or not we have a prayer life or not. And we story after story after story. It's not it's not one leader, major leadership principle. It's a prayer life that was the foundation of all these incredible leaders. And some of them, we're talking about guys that uh, Aichi has 40,000 churches that they planted all over Africa. And and it and he, and he pulls together prayer meetings and there's 200,000 people that will join up in a mountain and pray all day and, and fast and pray all day. Like the whole thing is based on He gets his leaders together. He says day one is always prayer. Day two is strategy. You know, like just learning these things from these leaders is just incredible. So, yeah. Amazing. Um, We've pre-ordered the book. Amazon tells us it gets here January 23rd, but it's okay. We had a sneak peek at an early copy and we've already got um, these prayer cards that are available. We'll link them that you can get them as a listener in the Mm -hmm. show notes. We'll make sure of that. But I would just say um, that I have loved diving into these late at night when in our house, um, mornings start really early with young kids, but late at night, it gets crazy quiet around here, like really quiet. And you wouldn't believe it if you heard it during the day. And then if you heard it at night, but it just sounds different. And that's when I've had some of the sweetest time with God lately. And these prayer cards are just amazing tools and, um, really hope that you as a listener can grasp, um, mm-hmm. just all that God has for you in relationship with him and lead with prayer. And and Ryan, one of the things that I've been dying to ask you is um, 
you have modeled this for me in my life. You were the youth pastor at the church I grew up at, and we've just been tracking with the venture community since as far as I can remember. But what would you say about to the person who's afraid of following Jesus for fear that it would be boring or dull? Can you mm -hmm. like, how can you speak to that? Yeah, I so when I was 17, I was an idiot. And I literally thought that if I was going to follow Jesus, my life would be boring. When in fact, the thing that was keeping my life from being an adventure was not giving it to Jesus. And and I, you know, I, I was kind of a Christian, but I was not not surrendered, like, go anywhere, do anything, be be whatever God wants you to be. And and so I finally surrendered that. And it was like the joy that filled me at that one moment. It was so incredible. I was up to like three in the morning. I was so excited. I was like, I, I'm going to have this amazing, adventurous life with Jesus. I know it now. And, and that surrender was, I, I look back and say, I was so dumb because the opposite was true. The opposite was true. I mean, I, the, the amount of things that have happened in our life and, and more, more happen the more we pray, you know, so we've been a part of seeing incredible movements of God in, in like take Nepal just this summer. Uh, we got to be a part of the first mass baptism and the mass prayer meeting and the authorities came to try and shut it down. And the pastors were like, well, if you shut us down, we're all going to vote against you. And then they're like, oh, well, you can have your prayer meeting then. And so it was the first time Christians had mass numbers to actually rise up against the government. Yes. Wow. Of, of women who are 26 years old, walking through a tiger infested jungle to a village, sharing the love of Jesus. Two crippled boys get up and start walking, and the whole village gets baptized. And these are the pictures that come into my inbox on a regular basis. I've, I was able to hike across Death Valley to, to raise the money for our first container of food to the war refugees. And, and when we were there, we actually had to get evacuated because uh, soldiers were coming and there's mortar rounds and things. And I thought my life would be boring following Jesus. You know, like it's it's exactly the opposite. Um, and and, and so they've got our first container through and then start praying our guts out uh, again for more and more. It's like 60 million meals now to that area. And 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 the, the the pictures that come in of people risking their lives and we get to serve these kind of heroes. Um, so I would say that that if you want a real adventure, the real real. It's going to be somewhere in the intersection of Christ, taking a step of courage, motivated by compassion and seeing what can happen. And, and so, and it's all, it's all birthed out of that friendship. You know, the, the first smuggling of Bibles, that was actually when I was wasting some time in prayer and the fellow Lord just say, pray for, pray for China. And I was like, okay, all right, I pray for China. And all of a sudden, like, I just feel like crying. I started crying and praying, like something really hit my heart. And so I, I, I was like, what's going on? And I started talking to somebody who was a friend who was in China. He was like, can you bring us Bibles? I'm like, I don't know. We'll try. And, and we got to end up smuggling tens of thousands of Bibles to these people and, and seeing miraculous things, uh, stories that if I told you, you might not believe like they're just that crazy. And so anyways, I can go off on the adventure of following Jesus all day long. So. No, I love that because I remember just being in a setting where there were hundreds of pastors. And I can't remember who said it. You probably do, Josiah. When he was up there teaching and preaching, it's like more Lord, more Lord, like just those two words, like more Lord is like. God, we want more of you. We want more miraculous things. We want more healings. We want more encounters. We want more 
breakthrough miracles that are happening across the world, across the borders, across the seas, across the globe. Like we want more of you and to truly have that reverence towards him, that heart and that cry, like of despair, like God, like there's so much more than what the people are willing to settle for along the way. And we have the more to offer, but it's him who's going to be the abundant overflow. So when it comes to just like the miracles that you're seeing throughout the world right now, if you could share like one of your favorite miraculous stories that maybe you've encountered even in the last 12 months to help narrow it down, because you probably have a whole boatload of them. But if there's something that you could share with our audience, like really encourage them to take that extra step of like, I'm going to bring, you're going to, you're on the brink of breakthrough, but you got to be all in. And it's that tipping point. Like what story would you share with them to fire them up today? That maybe came from the book experience being in an, a foreign land, whatever that is. I, I, I got to preface that, that, that in my life, the more I pray, the more adventures happen. You know, the more I pray, the more miracles, happen. not, not like direct one for one. It's just in general, you're praying more. And in general, these things are happening more. It's mm -hmm. just, so I'll tell you, old one, new one. The old one was we were praying. Somebody told us to say, surprise me, God, and pray this prayer, surprise me, God, like surprise me with something. And there's all kinds of surprises of Jesus. If you read the Gospels, he's really, really playful and puckish at times. And um, and so I, I get a text at, at Tuesday on a Tuesday night and it was a it was a wrong number. And the text said, that's it. I'm going to end my life. And I was like, well, wait, I'm sorry, who's this? And they're like, is this so-and-so? I'm like, nope, this is the wrong number. And she's like, oh, sorry then. I'm like, wait, 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 time out. <laughs> you said you're going to end your life. Like, how serious is this? She's like, oh, the bottle of pills is in my hand right now. I was like, please, well, no, time out, please. Um, I, I'd love to help you. My wife is with me. We'd love to, you know, like, find out where you're at. She says, you can't stop me. And then she took the pills while we were texting. And I was like, please stay on, like, help, help, let us help you find you. And so we're back and forth. Finally, she, she's like, oh man, it really hurts. Um, I'm here in this parking lot, happened to be just 10 miles away. My wife and I go, we meet her and we bring her to the hospital. They pumped her stomach. She was able to be alive. And now uh, she ended up going to Bible school and is serving Jesus. It's just this incredible story of a, of a wrong, texted the wrong number. And that was right in the week. We were like, God, surprise us. Like, let us do some kind of you know, surprise us with some area, some person we can help, you know, just stuff like that. Um, a recent one, if you don't mind me telling like some kind of charismatic wild yeah, please one. do and so we're in one of our villages that we were serving in there was somebody who was so like demonized and out of his mind that he was hurting young children in the village and they didn't know what to do so they chained him up just like in the days of the scriptures and so they showed me these pictures of this guy chained up because they couldn't they couldn't stop him from hurting children all the time and doing all these things when he'd become you know like out of his mind so again a, a, just a 20 something came and started praying in jesus name and he was completely set free and they just sent me a video recently of him farming and serving jesus and worshiping and he just looked like a completely different person and you're like oh so that story that's in the bible of jesus people getting chained up actually still happens and and is still happening it's just incredible so that was just a recent one but yeah, all the time. My my inbox is full of miracles and heroic sacrifices that people take. That is deeply mm -hmm. inspiring. And, um, you know, Ryan, this uh, part of the, the reason that this podcast has been able to exist is there is a, a kind of a mutual mentor that you and I both had. 
and he passed away. And at his funeral, one of the things that was mm-hmm. said about him by you is that your dream became his dream. And, and I just think of how this laptop that we're recording this podcast came to be. We shared the vision and this hero of ours um, just said, go get it and, and kind of made a way. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I've just seen this kind of shift in my thinking of younger, maybe being more about like what I could achieve or what I could accomplish or my dreams. And then just, I don't know, I, I've just been moved by that about the idea that somebody else's dream could become mine and I could spur them on or, or mm-hmm. be that friend, like maybe to somebody else, like maybe it's my turn to do that, but talk about, I think you're fluent in the language of dreams, but mm-hmm. so you can take it any direction that you want, but for the, for the young adult who has a dorm dream, but they don't know what to do, maybe what could their next step be? Or if, if a person is like, I don't know what my dream is, how would you mm-hmm. encourage them to make somebody else's dream mm-hmm. their dream or, or along the lines of just dreams and visions I just believe that God is giving dorm dreams. He is the dream giver. Talk for a second about dreams and how they're possible. Yeah, I I think one of the first things I would say is some people don't think that they are dreamers. And anyone that God speaks to is a is a dreamer because God will tell you to do crazy things. Jesus doesn't ask us to do easy, comfortable, normal things. Jesus asks you to do crazy things. It's just the reason that's all it is is God asking person after person to do something wicked hard and crazy and miraculous and compassionate for, and, and, and compassionate serving others. And, and so if you're talking to Jesus, odds are he's going to ask you to do something and it's going to be wild, you know, or, or definitely not something you're comfortable with. So, so that, that's the, the first thing about dreams is that they're going to happen. Even if you don't think you're a dreamer, if you start talking to Jesus, he rubs off on you. It's beautiful. Uh, the second thing is, is uh, someone told me this. He said, find something that wrecks you and feed it. Find something that wrecks you and feed it. See where that goes. And everything that's happened in my life has come out of a something wrecked my heart. I prayed. I sought the Lord. I talked to a mentor. I, I, I actually found mentors. You know, like you're talking about every dream has to have a patron or a mentor. A patron is someone who likes to fund it. And a mentor is someone who can help you guide it. You know, and, and if you're a young adult or in my, in my, I still have patrons and mentors, you know, running venture. And so every dream is going to have to have a, a team of people that come around you. And uh, if I might just put a little plug too on, on the venture side, if you have a dream of like doing some kind of run, hike, bike or something crazy, we've actually created a system to come around you and help build up your dream. So venture, we don't, and we don't do our own things anymore as far as uh, uh, running, hiking, biking events or movements or campaigns. All we do is come alongside those that are dreaming and say, how can we make your dream a reality in that regard? So we'd love to help you on that side. If your dream is connected that way, we'd love to come alongside. We'd love to help out. But yeah, finding finding a, if it's not a Venture Miles one uh, or, or VentureMiles.org is the place where you can go and connect with us and we'll, we'll help you on that one too. Uh, but if it's not something like that, Find, as you as you start praying, God will lead you to random people, mm-hmm. and, and like, how do I say this? It's when you start praying a lot and dreaming a lot, life is a super incredible adventure because you just don't know what's going to happen the next day. You know, you just don't know who's who you're going to run into or who's going to uh, God's going to bring into your path miraculously. And so it's like it's like really keeping your eyes open 
He's like, okay, God put this dream. He's going to start doing something here. He's going to start pulling things together. I need to keep my eyes open. And that's when Jesus, that's why I love the phrase, watch and pray. Because he was like, you got to pray. And then you got to keep your eyes open. Because things are going to start happening, you know, in line with those words that God speaks to you. It's really exciting. What about your perspective um, from your vantage point? Tell the story of 30 for Freedom. Oh, yeah. Um, so that was Brent Silkey, who is I, I'm so grateful I get to actually be a part of leading him to Jesus. So it's like this guy that, you know, and then right away, it's kind of fun. Someone that leads you to or that you get to help lead to Jesus. He's starting to teach me. His passion is informing me and I'm learning from him. And, and so he has this dream of 30 for freedom. And you have to be okay with telling your dream to people and people thinking you're crazy. You just have to be okay with that. Um, because my, my own parents didn't think that, that venture was going to be anything. And, and they're like super, you know, entrepreneurial themselves. And I'm like, oh, great. If my own parents don't think, you know, and, and now it's pretty exciting, but, but you, you got to be okay with people thinking it was crazy. And so Brent's telling me this one, I'm like, that's just crazy enough in my work. You know, it's just wild enough that it might happen. And, and so we uh, actually put some staff time and, and we, we got to be the, the patrons and the, the mentors in that regard. And, and how fun is it to not only be, you know, help be a part of someone coming to Jesus, but then also to see that dream come alive and to latch onto it and say, oh, don't let that go. No, no, run with this. No, you have to do this. And, and maybe, maybe you need three things. Maybe you need a patron to help fund it and a mentor to help guide it. And then you need a, a, a coach to help inspire you to like not let that dream go. Because sometimes you want to let it go too, right? And so Brent's like, well, I could or not. And like, no, there's something here. You've got to run with this. And so he puts on the first one and it blew all of us away. We're like, how, what? Like how, how this is like way exceedingly abundantly above, way beyond what he could think. And, and it's like, what if this happened again? Let's try. Let's see. And, and having that type of a, uh, a gospel adventurous mindset, you know, it's like, I don't know, I don't know if this is a good word or not, but it's almost like pirates, you know, like, okay, what's the next adventure that God's going to lead us on? And it seems like Jesus kind of led a band of merry men, you know, like those little disciples were like these pirates, you know, the countercultural insurgents that they're going to see this beautiful kingdom happen, you know, in, in spite of everything. So anyways, but yeah, Brent had that craziness enough to go, okay, let's, let's get behind this and see what can happen. So that, I don't know that, yeah, good. It's good. And I don't want to encourage the the listener. If you do have a dream, if you do have a passion that would align specifically with venture, reach out to Ryan and the team, and they'll be more than happy to link arms with you in whatever capacity they can. And it's okay to be misunderstood. I think leaders that you just need to know it's okay to be misunderstood and it's okay to feel like you're jumping out of a plane, maybe without a backpack at times, wondering who's going to provide the parachute. And we've already jumped out of the plane. God is going to provide the people as long as you're willing to be obedient, stay close to him, be reminded that our prayers have power and our words have weight. And not only for this side of eternity, but in the heavenly realms. And when we team up with God, it's truly, we are serving a unlimited God with unlimited resources, but we sometimes limit ourselves and we don't want to limit this conversation anymore because Ryan, we've come to the favorite part of our audience. They love this part. It's five and five. It's a five and five challenge, five minutes on the clock, five questions. Are you up for the challenge? But I'll try. 
You'll try. Okay. Question number one, what's a hobby you enjoy outside of work or ministry? Um, I love playing blues guitar and, or, you know, and uh, wake surfing and skiing down cliffs. Oh, that's adventurous right there. Definitely. Yep. <laughs> Um, here's question number two is, and, and the, the curveball I'll throw it is, I think that our passion, Ryan is reaching young adults for Christ. And, and we're a part of a family of faith. And I want the listener to just hear, like we, we talked a second ago about Brent Silkey. This was a pastor of mine who discipled me five days a week when I was in high school. And if you track that back a second, you were the youth pastor that led him to Christ. And so we're all a part of a family of faith. And I just want the listener to catch that and to hear that, that there's that story in your ministry that you're going to disciple people who are going to just pass it along to another. And, um, in, in it's, it just fires us up, but why do you believe Ryan that discipling young adults and reaching the next generation for Christ? Why is that so vital? So vital. What Christianity is one generation away from being extinct every single generation if we don't make disciples of the next generation so it's it's not just vital it's like survival of the faith like for sure and and then the best thing is what did jesus do jesus came and found a bunch of young adults and started pouring his life into them and so if we want to follow jesus we probably should do the same thing and and he, that was probably wise he knows what knew, knew what he's doing and, and so, like, I don't think you can follow Jesus without having a passion for wanting to pour faith into young adults, because that's what he did. You know, his disciples are kind of late teens or something, you know, mm -hmm. most. So, yeah. That's for so good. Well, here's the curveball. If you could ask Josiah and myself any question today under the sun, what would you ask us? What's the weirdest response you've had in a podcast to a question? Okay. Oh, I got one. <laughs> You, you go, I go. I, oh, one. well, we said, I think the question was more or less, why do you believe the faith of the next generation is worth everything or something along those lines? And then the response was, I really don't believe in young adults. And I want to <laughs> say, do you start a young adults today podcast? <laughs> Ryan, dead serious, dead serious pastor, well-known author invited him on the podcast. <laughs> And we were asked, early on, so we were kind of like, oh. Asked why. We ask every guest, why do you believe young adult ministry is so vital? And uh, I changed the words a little bit after that because he just, he didn't believe in young adult ministry. And I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> but do you realize how important reaching the next generation of young adults for Christ is? Like this podcast is called Young Adults Today. Well, back to his response, like and, we're one generation away from extinction. But. I think as weird as that answer was, um, it taught me to have a spine and it taught me that if, if you believe in something enough, it's okay to disagree too. Like, I don't think he's a bad person or a heretic. I think he just maybe didn't like the verbiage of the question right, or something, right. but, um, the initial I, shock was like, Oh, it's dear. like, this is the whole reason this <laughs> podcast exists. <laughs> uh, but we left it there. It's okay. We, for, we forgave his response and extended grace when I, we were caught off guard. <laughs> Great question. We've never had that. Oh, all right. Josiah, here's so, four. So back to you is, um, man, how do you invite Christ into your plans as an entrepreneur, or maybe to say it a different way, how do you partner with what God is doing at, at, in, in an everyday way with entrepreneurship? Yeah. Um, 
so I look at it as like, I'm, it's not a partnership as much as he's the boss. And, and I get up on my, I'm every day and I roll on my knees and I try and surrender my day, my meetings, everything to Jesus. And that's my first few seconds of, of being awake is out of bed on my knees. And I want to be in that posture of surrender. And, and, and then the businesses, they belong to Jesus. And uh, we, you know, he has, sometimes he'll tell me certain things he wants us to give. I'm like, that's a little bit more than I want to give. And God's like, this is mine. This isn't yours. You know, like really treating the Lord as your boss. He's the senior partner. He's not just like, okay, I'm going to sprinkle some prayer on this thing that I'm doing. It's God, what do you, what do you want me to do? How can I do that for you? How can I make you happy? How can I serve you with our companies, with, with venture, with everything? So. That's so good. It's so good. And Ryan, we've come to the last and final question. If you could leave the listener with one piece of encouragement today, what would you want them to hear? Oh man, you have no idea what's on the other side of a vibrant friendship with Christ. Like you have no idea. You can't even imagine how incredible what's on the other side of starting a vibrant friendship with, with the the creator of the cosmos like that that's what i, I just a, it's a teaser like 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 try me like just take a take at least a bit of a, a risk on this and see what happens when you start building a friendship a daily surrendered friendship with jesus and he's going to ask you to do stuff and it's going to be nuts and you're going to do it and you're going to see miracles so that's wonderful and that's our hope for you as the listener is that you would know god more see him more full and deeper and and develop that friendship with him. I think along the process that you'd see miracles, that you would understand that faith isn't meant to be lived alone. It's not meant to be in isolation. You're a part of a community and a, and a great cloud of witnesses. And there's miracles that are in the making that God has more in store. And there's some practical next steps and tools that maybe you as a leader, you want to pick up the prayer cards for free that we will link into the show notes that Ryan and the team, they want to give you mm -hmm. just as a practical next step. I would just say, as I've been diving into the book, lead with prayer, it's, it's been a blessing hearing the miracles, the hero stories. It's so, so encouraging. And what we're going to do is um, we're going to take a small group of young adults that we lead through it. And I would just encourage you, if you're listening, maybe this is something that you want to get for your small group and just dive into, I would say, don't read it alone, read it with a community of people. So you can document the prayers, you can share the miracle stories and you can keep each other accountable in that. But Ryan, thanks so much for everything, for the cards, for the book and for your investment in the community of young adult ministry leaders. Oh man. I am so excited for you guys. Can I end by just praying for you guys? Yeah, sure. Jesus. We thank you this whole time. Keep us aware that you are with us every moment, every season, every part of our day. And Jesus, I just, uh, I pray for Mike and Josiah and their heart to help people at that key moment when they're making the, the life decisions that will affect the rest of their life, that you would give them a, an incredible grace from heaven to pour the, the wisdom and the joy and the life and the miraculous power and the friendship and and the grace and the love of Jesus, and to person after person after person, help them make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And Jesus, I pray for, for your peace on everyone that's listening. May they know you 
and may they see heaven on earth because of you. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you so much, Ryan and audience. If you want to find out more about Ryan Skoog Venture or the new book, Lead with Prayer, you can do that when you connect with us in our show notes. This is the Young Adults Today podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to subscribe, leave a review, and share this with someone you know. Judge up right now, yeah.